the rugby, the footy, the horses, the golf, the ga. Students, whatever you're a fan of, fuel your passion for sport with a little help from Vodafone X. Switch today and never miss a moment with Sky Sports Mobile TV and 20 gigs of 4G data for just 20 euro top-up, plus 100 minutes of calls and unlimited tax. Now that's more fuel for more fun. Search Vodafone X now. For full terms, conditions and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. Welcome into episode 31 of the Ebony Bird podcast, brought to you by Ebony Bird and Fan Sided. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find us at ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird on Twitter. And of course, this podcast coming to you, as always, through Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Like I said, I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Our two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL, will be joining us tonight to discuss everything that happened in the in the 2018 NFL Draft for the Ravens last week, coming away with 12 picks. We're going to, of course, go into all that. We're going to break that down day by day with the discussion on that. We're going to talk about how we're feeling now that the draft is over, how the Ravens did overall. We'll focus then on the Lamar Jackson versus Joe Flacco battles that are certainly going to be going on, if not this year and the seasons after, if Flacco's still around. That, certainly that whole situation is going to be a huge talking point tonight. And then we'll end the episode with just some appreciation for Ozzie Newsom, of course, as general manager who has been in his role ever since the Ravens became the Baltimore as a franchise, and he's stepping down, of course, after this season as general manager. So uh, we're going to talk about him and making his last picks in the 2018 NFL Draft to end the show. But before we do that, again, download the Ebony Bird app where you can get all of your Ravens news on your mobile device. Some recent articles, now the 2018 draft is over, the impact on the Ravens' defense going forward. Chris had that one up today. Joe wrote one, three questions following the NFL draft for the Ravens, and then five takeaways from the 2018 draft by Corey Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at CHughes612. So let's get the episode started with the Ravens' 2018 draft recap. There were three days of the draft. It all kicked off on Thursday night from Dallas. Not, you know, Ravens fans adjusted to this for a couple of years now because Ozzie Newsom has been known to trade back in the first round, but he did it twice. Uh, we knew going in that the Ravens had a pretty good chance of trading back, and that's exactly what happened. Um, they traded back at first with the Bills from uh, pick 16 to pick 22, and then after that they traded down again to pick 25 where they would stay for their first selection, South Carolina tight end Hayden Hurst at pick number 25, who over three seasons posted 100 receptions for 1,281 yards and three touchdowns. And then just as I finished my article for uh, Charm City Birdwatch, my personal website, I know we had... Uh, everybody busy on the Ebony Bird agenda for all the picks. But just as we were wrapping up, it seemed like the Ravens traded back into the round, which very rarely happens. Ozzie Newsom has not been known to do this in the past, but going out with a bang. Uh, trading in back to pick 32 with the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl champions, and selecting Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson. For this, the Eagles received a second and fourth round pick from the Ravens, as well as a 2019 second round pick. Next year, between his arms and his legs, Jackson has scored 119 touchdowns in three seasons at Louisville combined, 69 passing, 50 rush. He's a huge playmaker, but needs to improve his accuracy and ball up. So, a lot to digest there. I'm, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Reactions from the first round of the draft for the Ravens this year. I was, uh, I was at my best friend's place. His girlfriend was was sleeping, and uh, we were trying to keep it down. And as soon as the Ravens went back on the clock at 32, 
I'm trying really hard not to get excited. I knew it was Lamar Jackson. And then when it was Lamar Jackson, I erupted and I was like, yes! Couldn't help it. I was so jacked up. You look at the Baltimore Ravens trying to win, trying to set up the future. You got a tight end. You got a quarterback that has more potential than pretty much anyone in this draft. I mean, his upside wasn't what you were worried about. You know, it's the fact that it's not a guarantee. Um, but you, you look at the talent with Lamar Jackson, I don't know how you could be anything but excited right now it, as a Ravens fan. The future is going to be exciting, and we'll see if it's going to be good. I think it's going to be. He's got a great arm. He, people act like, you know, his accuracy is awful. But, you know, he was a one-man show at Louisville, especially after his junior season. So I really, really think you put talent around him, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in football, and that is exciting. So we found the future, and we helped the present. Yeah, I mean, I was very excited. I was actually studying for a test that same night, and after they made the pick, it was like 11.30, and I was like, all right, time to go to bed. Like, as I was about to close my laptop, my notifications just started blowing up at the Ravens traded back into the first round. And, I mean, you knew at that time what it was. It was Lamar Jackson. And I quickly turned back on the TV, and I got pumped. I mean, I tweeted out after the draft was over. But, I mean, after going to games these past um, few years at M&T Bank Stadium and seeing the attendance decline, like, this, this excitement, I don't think I've felt this excited about the Ravens since they won the Super Bowl. I mean, this is just it. It almost feels like they won like a mini Super Bowl getting Lamar Jackson. I mean, plenty for the future. It's really not something Ozzie Newsom really does, like you said, Jake, trading back into the first round. But, I mean, it makes sense. It's more than just like an exciting pick. Lamar Jackson is legitimately the future of the team, which is very interesting because he's a completely different quarterback than Joe Flacco. But he does get a lot of flack, but he did run a pro-style offense at Louisville. So I I think a lot of people fail to realize that he was making – throws in an NFL-type offense, not just running around and using his legs. I mean, he just has the luxury of doing that because he's the best athlete in college football. I mean, that's just how it is. And I really did like the pick like of Hayden Hurst. I didn't think he was a top tight end on the board, but he fits just what the Ravens do. He's a three-down guy that can block. He can catch. Perfect for Greg Roman's scheme, especially since they're going to be pounding the ball with Alex Lewis. Or not Alex Lewis. Alex Collins this year. So having a guy on the edge that can help check. That could help chip for maybe James Hurst, whoever's playing right tackle this year. It makes sense. I mean, everyone likes to knock his age when he that he's going to be 25 years old next year. And it's, just, I mean, they're playing for the present now, so I'm not really too worried about that. I mean, that's a, that's something they can address in the future. But I mean, it's two solid picks. I think we were all pretty surprised about them trading back into the first round. But Ozzy did his thing, where he's setting up the cost for the future, and it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out with the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be hitting on that later in the episode. And I, I, of course, myself, really wanted the Ravens to address going into Thursday the need that I thought was the biggest on the roster at the the tight end position. So I couldn't have been more happy with what they did on Thursday. Going into Friday night then in the second and third rounds, of course, the Ravens, after what happened on Thursday, didn't have a second-round draft pick. They, again, traded back twice in the third round before selecting Oklahoma tackle Orlando Zeus Brown Jr., whose dad played for the Ravens from 96 to 98 and unfortunately passed away in 2011. He was pick 83, and then three picks later at 86, they draft his teammate, tight end Mark Andrews. I'm really happy with both these picks as well. I like how the Ravens, knowing that uh, Max Williams and Nick Boyle weren't giving them what they liked in the, in the tight end room, that they doubled up their depth there without a veteran on the roster. And I also don't mind the Orlando Brown pick either. Some people think if he hadn't had such a terrible combine, he wouldn't have dropped down to the third round. 
But I think the Ravens, you know, not knowing who's going to be their starting right tackle going into the season, and if he wanted to go anywhere, you know he, he grew up in Baltimore. He grew up in this area. He loved, uh, according to uh, reports when he went to the Ravens complex and visited, he felt really welcome and he wanted to be a Raven. And it's been described as, as he called Orlando Brown, he was just in disbelief, so happy that this was actually going to happen. So after after that, we know there's some things that are going to have to be sorted out with both these players, especially Brown, seeing, you know, how his work ethic, what shape he's going to be in going into camp, things like that. We'll have to monitor your reaction from Friday night's action. I like the Orlando Brown pick. I mean, I didn't mind the Ravens waiting until the third round, especially for giving up those picks for Jackson, um, because if you're giving up a future second-round pick for presumably your quarterback of the future, I'm okay with that. Um, Brown's a good pick. I mean, third-round um, pick for a guy many consider a first-round talent. I mean, he gets he did have a terrible combine. It proved a little bit at his pro day. But, I mean, everyone's acting like, oh, he's not athletic. Well, you don't need him to be that athletic for a right tackle. Like, he's huge. I mean, the Ravens just need him to swallow up defenses out, and that's what he can do. I mean, if you watch his tape, he did exactly that at Oklahoma, and he's just a giant tackle. I mean, he's definitely unpolished, but can and can use some and can use some work. But going to a place in Baltimore where they really do turn out offensive linemen, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I think he can legitimately give James Hurst a run for his money at right tackle, and if he plays anything is like his dad, then the Ravens are going to be in good shape. And Andrews is also a really good pick. I like that. I might have been one of my favorite picks to draft, other than. Lamar Jackson simply because he's not a wide receiver, but he basically is. I mean, he lines up in the slot. He just all he does is produce. I mean, he was the nation's top tight end last year, um, and I really like the pick. Joe Flacco now has two solid tight ends he can throw to, and that's when we've seen him at his best. When he has that security blanket, two red zone threats now, and quickly the Ravens are are getting offensive talent. I mean, adding the three wide receivers, the two tight ends from the draft. I mean, this is an offense that could really turn it around from what we saw last year, and if Andrews can prove that he can be elusive and make catches like he did at Oklahoma at the next level, then they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about Mark <laughs> Andrews. You look at Mark Andrews and you see a guy that reminds me of Todd Heath. Great matchup nightmares. He's he's tough. He, he can make the catches in tight windows. He can make the catches that are contested. And he's going to create a lot of separation because he's quick. He's a very quick tight end. And he's a great out of the slot. Uh, he's not going to do a lot of blocking, but that's why you drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round, because the guy will do everything. Um, Mark Andrews reminds me of Todd Heap, and Hayden Hurst reminds me of Aaron Hernandez, because he's a chess piece. You, you can move anywhere on the football field. And I, I'll say this about the Orlando Brown thing. The fact that you got him in the third round nullifies any risk. Because it's an acceptable risk at that point. You're not banking everything on him being your right tackle. You think he's going to be your right tackle. But if he isn't, it's not the end of the world. I think he starts day one. I think he's a good player. Remember, when Orlando Brown was on the field at Oklahoma, there was nothing to complain about. He was the stellar left tackle, and um, he's going to be a great right tackle. And keeping him on the right side. I think will nullify the fact that he isn't the most quick-footed athlete in the world. And you know what? Also, some guys don't measure at the combine and end up having great careers. I think Orlando Brown has a chance to be that way, especially because that's the way his father was. So I'm excited about the day three picks. I think the combination of Hurst and Andrews is going to be outstanding. And then you got your bookend tackles 
and now we don't have to worry about James Hurst at right tackle. I'm pretty sure Orlando Brown's going to be better than that. And the Ravens wrapping things up on Saturday afternoon. Seven picks altogether, including three in the fourth and sixth rounds. Up first in the fourth round, they selected Alabama quarterback Anthony Averett. Of course, Ozzie Newsome loves the Alabama guys at pick 118 there. They then got UCLA inside linebacker Kenny Young at pick 122, and New Mexico wide receiver Jaleel Scott at pick 132. In the fifth round, they selected another UCLA guy, wide receiver Jordan Lasley, the second straight wide receiver for the Ravens, taken off the board at pick 162. Again, three picks in the sixth round. Texas safety Deshaun Elliott at pick 190. Wagner offensive tackle Greg Sennett at 212, and Alabama center Bradley Bozeman at pick 215. And finally, in the seventh round at pick number 238, Ferris State defensive end Zach Seiler, who, of course, was on that special phone call with general manager Ozzie Newsom after making his last pick, uh, that emotional video being found on the Ravens' website and on social media as well. If you haven't seen that, I suggest you check that out already. A lot happened on Saturday. Of course, the Ravens love their late-round picks. They traded back several times this year to acquire a lot of those late-round selections. Again, three in the sixth and three in the fourth. Give me a little bit of information on the late-round selections of the Ravens in the 2018. Well, the first thing you need to know is our secondary is absolutely stacked now. Um, Avery was a teammate of Humphreys. Um, I mean, the, the Ravens are basically, like, taking as many Alabama defensive players as they can. And I actually can't blame them. Averitt's a feisty guy. He's tenacious. I think he has a chance to end up being a slot corner. He definitely adds the depth with Young and Kennedy already proving that they can play. We still have Brandon Carr. I still don't understand why Brandon Carr is on this roster um, because he's a pretty expensive guy. Um, but Averitt, uh this is a good addition. I think Deshaun Elliott ends up replacing Eric Weddle after this season. I Maybe the season after that. Weddle has a little bit left in the tank, and I think he's a great free safety. I think he's going to tutor Deshaun Elliott, who has ball skills, toughness, and honestly, he's just a mean dude. He's just a mean dude with range. I, I really like Elliott. Um, and Jaleel Scott. Jaleel Scott's a guy that has the ability to be a good wide receiver, big catch radius. When I I look at wide receivers, the number one thing I look for is catch radius. That's why I wasn't as high on Calvin Ridley while while I was drooling over Cortland Sutton. Jaleel Scott is the poor man's Cortland Sutton. You got him late. Um, I I mean, it could work out. I don't know if he's going to be great, but definitely good if he played – somewhere other than New Mexico State, and it was a draft that didn't devalue wide receivers as much as this one, he might have been a third round. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with a lot of those ones. I'm just going to go over some of the ones, the other ones that you didn't talk about. Uh, Kenny Young was an interesting pick. I think the Ravens definitely need to add an inside linebacker. He's a bit undersized, but um, Mike Mayock and a lot of other guys raved about his pass defense, which is really important, something the Ravens really struggled at. Um, linebacker position last year. And I think he has some competition with Peanut and Correa and some of the other guys vying for that spot next to C.J. Mosley. I mean, we saw how the Ravens really struggled to cover tight ends at the end of the season, really cost them down the stretch. And if Young's maybe one of those guys who could maybe not be a day-one starter but earn some time throughout the season, especially on special teams. So um, he's an interesting one to look out for. Jordan Lastly was also a really interesting prospect because he's kind of a boomer bust guy. He had a pretty solid career at UCLA, a lot of drops and some off-the-field issues, 
But when he's on the field, he's just, he's incredible. I mean, he is a great route runner. It was great with Josh Rosen. They had a fantastic connection. So that's one of those ones where the Ravens had so many day three picks that they were able to throw a pick at a guy with some off-the-field concerns. So I think if that ends up working out, it's going to be great for the Ravens. But then if it doesn't, I mean, he's a fifth-round pick. It's not like a boomer bust pick with Brashad Perryman in the first round where you're banking on it. But it, and I mean, if he doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Um, I really think Bozeman was an interesting pick as well. Coming out of Alabama, I always, always lost to the Alabama guys. But, I mean, Bozeman was a starter. I believe it was two or three years at Alabama. Very um, experienced player. Went up against probably the best defensive lineman you can in collegiate football. I mean, all those guys are just in the pros now tearing it up. So, I mean, I think he gives Matt Skrull a run for his money at center this year. I mean, I wouldn't honestly wouldn't be surprised if Bozeman is like the late round uh, draft pick that really does start day one. I think he has the potential to do that if he is polished. And the last pick, I mean, it was just uh, it's so Ozzie Newsom to go out with a defensive lineman. I mean, I don't know if even Fowler will make the team. But, I mean, the Ravens had a guy like Pat Ricard, who was an undrafted free agent, and ended up making the team playing as, as a fullback. So, I mean, who knows with this team. But I just thought it was so fitting that the wait for Ozzie Newsom to go out just to be drafting a defensive lineman. And I, overall, I thought this was a, like one of the best drafts that I've been around the Ravens for. If I do have one concern, it's the fact that they have so many late-round picks and the fact that they're banking on a lot of these picks to produce. That would be my only criticism. I love the first four picks, but I really do question if some of these late-round guys, the fact that Ozzie traded back so many times for these picks, will actually pay off for them in the long run. Certainly a good point there, Joe. Moving on now on the Ebony Bird podcast. So we broke down each day of the draft. Now we're going to move on to our overall reactions from the draft. So now that everything has transpired, now that we are recovering from a busy weekend writing and covering all the Ravens news, I think we're all in agreement that we feel like this is a, this has a potential to be a really good draft. Harbaugh called it perhaps the best draft that he's had in his time with the Ravens. I think we should pump the brakes on that until we see some of these guys on the field. But if there was one criticism, again, you did say that they did have a lot of late-round selections. You can also say they left some, if they were going by their previous best player available mantra, they left some big names off the board, passed on some guys, particularly in the first round, including wide receiver Calvin Ridley, safety Derwin James, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch, wide receiver DJ Moore, and after the trade, center Frank Ragnow. So... With all that being said, I, again, there were some other big names that um, some of us, you know, in the group chat, whatever, uh, being angry at the Ravens pass on those guys. But it really seems like the Ravens went away from that best player available mantra, which, if we're being honest, hasn't worked, especially as of late. Um, so I guess my big takeaway is it was refreshing to see them address needs, not as much as the biggest names on the board. And as a result, now when you go into training camp, you're especially built at all those positions. You're There's not really a position on this roster that the Ravens are really in trouble with right now in terms of depth goes. They have tons and tons of depth, whether it's the draft picks from this year or the previous few years right on the roster right now. So that's going to provide a lot of competition from Channing Camp, and it's going to provide a a really fun prediction of who's going to make the 53-man roster versus who's not, and I think that's something that's going to be a big challenge for Ozzie, but also I think the team's looking forward to all this competition. How are you feeling now now that the draft is officially over? I'm feeling well. I mean, like you said, they – are in a great position coming out of the draft. I thought it was interesting because when they were sitting at 16 and Derwin fell to that to that range, I was saying, you know, if, he, if he's there, you got to take him. But I'm not mad that they traded back twice because obviously you're getting more picks. And we were like, why is Ozzy trading back? He obviously had a plan to trade back in and get Lamar Jackson. So I'm not mad about it. I thought it's just 
ironic that a lot of fans don't want the best player available mantra, but then cry when the Ravens don't do the best player available mantra. I don't know. I don't get it. It confuses me sometimes because I was all for either Derwin James or Tremaine Edmonds at 16 if the Ravens stayed there, but I'm not mad that they traded out and addressed the need like tight end. But, I mean, if you're going to get mad that the team who took, you know, almost all defensive players last year addresses 75% of the draft with offensive players this year, and you're mad because they didn't do best player available, I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, they obviously finally did what the fans wanted them to do and address the offense, and they did a good job doing it. I don't really have many complaints. I mean, like I said, some of the later-round picks, we'll see if they pan out or not. But, I mean, with those first four picks with Hurst, Jackson, Brown, and Andrews, I mean, three of those four guys can contribute right away. And even Jackson, if they somehow get them in some different packages. So, I don't really have too many criticisms. I mean, I think – I mean, he tied the franchise record with 12 players. So, I mean, when you're throwing so many darts at the dartboard, I mean, one's going to stick. So, I'll just see who that is. I'm walking on sunshine, guys. This this feels good. Uh, I'll put it to you this way: when you walk into the NFL draft with eight picks and you leave with twelve, and when you walk into this draft, you only have one third rounder, and then you leave with two third rounders, three fourth rounders. I mean, and I think you got eight starters out of this draft. I we talked about oh yeah, some later picks are they going to pan out? I think you have. Starters, eventual starters, and project guys in this draft class, I think that's just all you could ask for. It's actually more than you can ask for to get the future of the franchise of Lamar Jackson, who I do believe is going to be a franchise quarterback. Absolutely outstanding. And honestly, it just feels like the Ravens are trying, and that's a refreshing thing. And one thing I want to bring up is I think Eric DaCosta, if Eric DaCosta – wasn't enamored with Jackson, they weren't going to make that move. I think Lamar Jackson was Eric DeCosta's guy. I think he was driving the boat on that one. And you know what? We're going to see the Ravens from now on invest in their quarterback with talent uh, in a way that Ozzie Newsom never did. And that's exciting to me because that's my takeaway from from that, and I, I, I couldn't be more excited because the Baltimore Ravens are trying. They helped the defense in a draft where they hammered offensive needs. I mean, what could like if you're complaining as a Ravens fan at this draft? I mean, what else do you want them to do? And maybe not every single one of these picks is going to pan out. We we still have to see three to five years what's going to happen. But how could you possibly complain about walking away with twelve picks? all players of great value, and all players that – just think about the insanity that our first three picks were all mocked to us in the first round at some point. I mean, it's just unbelievable how much value we got out of this draft. If you want to complain about this draft, go somewhere else because I can't stand it. You want to complain about this draft, you're losing your mind. The Ravens won the draft. They won. They straight up won. And this is going to be a playoff team in 2018 because we have more talent in offense after free agency and draft than we've had in three years, three or four years. We haven't had this much talent since 2014. We might have more now because I think both tight ends we drafted are fantastic. And our defense was good, is going to be better, and is now deeper. Like, what are, what could you not be happy about right now? And that's my reaction. This is the Ebony Bird Podcast, episode 31, recapping everything surrounding the 2018 NFL Draft. Again, find us on ebonybird.com. 
and Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter. I am your host, Jake McDonald, contributor for Ebony Bird. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95 or two side experts, Chris Schistler at footballman58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL. Joining us tonight on the podcast, let's shoot over now to another topic of debate, which is, of course, the impending battles between quarterbacks Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Flacco has not spoken on this matter ever since the draft pick happened. Apparently, he shunned away reporters during Saturday's draft fest in Baltimore saying he wasn't going to talk today. But he was also quoted a couple weeks ago saying that he he knew the Ravens were going to draft a quarterback. He just didn't know when it was going to be. But I have to think if I'm in his shoes, seeing that the team was willing to trade back into the first round and give up a handful of picks for a potential replacement, and that, and especially after not making the playoffs the last three years, I'm going to be playing with a chip on my shoulder in, in training camp and as the season progresses. This is going to be a really big season for Joe Flacco, a make-or-break season. Uh, he has no guaranteed money on his contract after the 2018 season, and we saw what the Chiefs did last season. Of course, uh, Patrick Mahomes was a higher draft pick. That was their loan first-round draft pick last season, but they they went with that plan, and, and of course, now he's going to go into the 2018 season as the Chiefs starting quarterback after they got rid of Alex Smith and shipped him over to the Washington Redskins. So, Again, these are two different situations. I think Lamar Jackson is a much more different quarterback than Pat Mahomes, obviously. I'm under the opinion that Lamar Jackson is going to take a long time to develop. Um, I think he's going to need a season or two to really sit and observe uh, Flacco, what he does, or whoever the Ravens quarterback is, if if the Ravens aren't going with Flacco beyond this season. Uh, But, yeah, like I said, a lot of pressure on him because of the fact he has no guarantee money on his contract. There's going to be a lot of clamoring from Ravens fans every time uh, Flacco throws an interception. If, if he's having a bad game, you could start to hear Lamar Jackson chants coming from the stands. And Harbaugh is also under you know a lot of pressure this year after not making the playoffs the last three years to make them again. And there's a big debate right now as to whether or not Harbaugh might have more job security than we think, um, just judging on the fact that the Ravens in such an important draft were still going back into the first round to get their quarterback under this coaching staff. And you would have to think that, for example, if Flacco had a bad season and the Ravens were going to go in a different direction with Lamar Jackson, I would have a hard time believing that the Ravens would fire Harbaugh and bring in a whole new staff after just one season with Lamar. So there's a lot a lot of layers to the story. I know I kind of rambled a little bit there. What do you think of this? Again, nothing has happened yet because off-season workouts have not began. Those are still a few weeks away from any like organized team activities. But this is one of the biggest storylines, if not the biggest storyline, surrounding the Ravens as organized team activities and off-season workouts approach. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? I got I to gotta put it to you this way. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback in the future, and that's not, that's not changing no matter what Joe Flacco does. The only thing Joe Flacco can do is delay the passing of the baton, and it's going to be a begrudging passing of the baton when it happens. I, I think Lamar Jackson probably doesn't play – that much at it, if at all, in his first year. If he shines in the preseason, and he he shines in the preseason to to the point where he just and Flacco just looks stumbly and bumbly and oh my goodness, we have good old Joe back and we don't really know if we want to go there. We might have the most expensive back of quarter back in the National Football League because. If Lamar Jackson is looking like he can do what Deshaun Watson did last year, I don't know how you, you keep him on the bench. If he looks ready and confident, I think you you got to start the future. I think the plan is to sit him behind Flacco, and I think that's what's going to happen. But Flacco's got pressure. Flacco's got to play. Flacco's got to be ready to play football. 
and there's none of this, oh, my back's hurt, I'm going to take my time, and I'll be ready for week one crap. That's not going to flock. He does that, he loses his job. So there's none of this, I'm not going to work out with my receivers. I know he's going to, he's going to have to work his butt off because even if we don't want to play Lamar Jackson week one or at all this season, is it really unrealistic for a first-round pick to play as a rookie? It's not. Flacco, I think, ends up getting either traded or released after next season, and the future starts in 2019. That's what I think happens. But I think if Jackson touches the field and if Jackson shows that he's an electric talent, I do not see a way possible where the future doesn't start sooner than later. I, You want pressure on Joe Flacco? Fine. That's great. But Joe Flacco wants to be mad about this? He brought this on himself by not living up to his contract. I mean, if I was in this situation, I'd be pretty pissed too if someone brought in a quarterback. I think it's so different because the Ravens haven't really brought in a legitimate option behind him since he was drafted in 2008. I mean, we could say Tyrod Taylor was maybe that guy, but, I mean, he never was, let's be real. Um, and they really haven't drafted another quarterback worth note, worth noting since then. So, I mean, I hope this is – I hope this isn't a drama-filled season because I think that's exactly what the Ravens don't need. I don't think there needs to be a ton of drama between the starting quarterback and the next man in line because I really think the Ravens want this to be a, a peaceful passing of the time where Jackson is learning from Flacco. And obviously they're two different, completely different quarterbacks. But, I mean, there's still he, a lot of Jackson can learn from a guy who's won the Super Bowl and obviously been to a ton of playoff games. So, I mean, I hope this is – Flacco uses this as motivation to get back to the playoffs. I mean, the Ravens have surrounded him with a ton of weapons. The defense is pretty much all back. I mean, they have the tools to be a playoff team. And I think Jackson was so highly regarded coming to the Ravens because this is a situation where he's not forced into the fire, unlike a Baker Mayfield at the Browns where, I mean, you have Tyrod Taylor in front, and obviously Baker's going to start sometime this season, and Hugh Jackson can't contain himself. But the Ravens have a stable front office. They have a coaching staff. Where James, where James Urban and Marty Morningway have worked with Michael Vick, where Greg Williams worked with Colin Kaepernick. These guys are understanding the RPOs and the kind of offense that Jackson is going to run with the Ravens. So I think it's beneficial for him to sit. If he, I see if, I see if the Ravens season goes downhill, maybe we pass her by, maybe week 10 and on, he does get some playing time. But I think as long as they're winning, as long as they're in playoff contention, there's going to be no reason to take Joe Flacco out. I don't. I think Harbaugh just has that loyalty, and Flack has been there. And for now, I mean, you might as well play him while his contract's set. I mean, they have no guaranteed money after, so I don't think Flack is on the team after this season. I think it just makes sense to get rid of him and move on, um, whether Harbaugh's here or not. The trade value for him is going to be interesting because I, I just don't know if the team's willing to trade for Flacco, especially with that contract. But it'll be interesting to see. I tweeted something out when Alex Smith got traded, that the Ravens could try to do something like what they did with Pat Mahomes. But I feel like there's a lot more upside for Alex Smith than there was for Joe Flacco. But, I mean, one season could change something. I mean, we saw Nick Foles almost warranting two first-round picks for to go to the team. So who knows what the hell could happen for a quarterback because, I mean, they're so highly sought after no matter who they are. But I don't know. It's going to be an interesting dynamic the entire season. I, and, Je- and the questions for Flacco aren't going to go away. I think they're only going to grow louder. And what we saw from Draft Fest, I mean, he was noticeably annoyed. I mean, I don't think he had any reason to speak to reporters. Like, I'm not going to knock him for it. But, I mean, when you say, I don't want to speak right now, 
when their team just drafted your successor. I mean, that speaks volumes. I mean, I think we all kind of get it. But it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. And you're going to see it a lot more Lamar Jackson jerseys than Joe Flacco jerseys in the next few seasons, I can tell you that. I, I'm thinking about the buy mine right now. I'm like, I'm Jack Flacco. Yeah, jo- Jonathan put in our group that he already orders Lamar Jackson jerseys. I mean, that's how exciting people are. And we went through this last year where a guy like Josh Woodrum, was, everyone was like, oh, he's got to be the backup. Maybe he could be Joe Flacco's successor. If they're claiming about some undrafted creation like that, that just annoyed the hell out of me. They're going to do the same for Jackson, and he's a billion times better, and I actually maybe agree with it. But these fans, when they see Jeff Michael struggling, they're going to say that Lamar Jackson should be in the game, whether the Ravens see that or not. And he's, Jeff Michael's going to feel the heat, and I really hope he does benefit from it. Yes, that will certainly be interesting, considering Flacco's never been in a situation like this in his time with the Ravens. Of course, you think back to the preseason when he was handed the job after Kyle Bowler hurt his shoulder and Troy Smith had that stomach infection. Never really had to compete for his job, which is certainly, I think, will be refreshing to see him have to do that, especially after not making the playoffs the last three seasons. One last topic on the Ebony Bird podcast tonight. We want to go over just how appreciative we are, how much we respect Ozzie Newsome after completing his last NFL draft. Of course, like I have alluded to earlier, there's a video of him making the final seventh round selection and getting hugged by Steve Bashotti, John Harbaugh, and uh, Eric DaCosta as well. Of course, his first two draft picks and Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis are going to be, or Ray Lewis at least, is going to be Hall of Famers. Ten playoff appearances in 22 seasons, including two Super Bowl trophies. He's already in the Hall of Fame as a player. And his last first-round draft pick was, like him in his time as a player in the NFL, a tight end. Uh, you know, as a Ravens fan, Ozzie Newsom has been highly respected. He's been touted as one of the best general managers in the NFL for years now, or as ESPN likes to refer to him, Ozzie Smith. I've heard, uh, <laughs> I've heard ESPN calling Ozzie Newsom, Ozzie Smith, two times on Thursday night. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, but just, just wanted to show our appreciation for Ozzie and everything he's done. Uh, no matter how big of a uh, moment it is, he's never one that wants to um, tout off like all of his accomplishments. He's very humble. It's, it's, it is going to be, I think, refreshing to see a new general manager's take on the roster and how Eric DaCosta builds this thing from this year on. But Nothing can take away anything that Ozzy's ever done for the Ravens, and I think that, uh, you know, after this season when he sticks around in a lesser role as, you know, a, a consultant to DaCosta or as a scout, if he's going to be a scout, I'm I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to, to, to do in that role because I think he's going to be a, a fantastic scout, especially as somebody who's played the game before. So just some thoughts um, on Ozzy Newsom after his last draft this past weekend. It's going to be weird because, I mean, it's the Ravens have had the best broad office with him at the helm for the past 23 drafts. I mean, he's brought two Super Bowls to a franchise that's just barely over 20 years old. I mean, we've been, we talk about how these past three years have been um, so tough, but I think it's been like that because we're not used to ever missing out on the playoffs. I mean, when you hired John Harbaugh in 2008 and drafted Joe Flacco, the Ravens made the playoffs five straight seasons and won a Super Bowl. I mean, you talk about other teams in the AFC North that have, like the Browns have had, who are just clamoring for one winning season. I mean, they just came off an 0-16 season. And, I mean, I think Ravens fans are just don't realize how lucky they have it, especially with him as general manager. I think the cost is going to be great. I mean, if you're having a guy take over as general manager, it might as well be Ozzy's right-hand man. And I think it's, I think he'll bring something different to the front office, uh, maybe a much-needed um, dynamic after all these years. But, I mean, Ozzy's one of the most respected figures in all football, and for a good reason. I mean, he's was a Hall of Fame player. He's a Hall of Fame executive. And, I mean, 
I at least am very lucky to have followed a team with such a great front office and just a great franchise. And I think watching that final video of him passing the baton over to DaCosta, I mean, if you don't get emotional, then, I mean, you'll love Ravens football. I mean, it's pretty simple. So, I mean, congrats to him and his great career. I mean, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. And hopefully he continues to be a part of the Ravens organization for as long as he can because having a mind like that is always helpful no matter what role he has. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about his accomplishments because we know what his accomplishments are. We've literally just listed them off. I mean, we, I, I'm a Ravens fan who's seen two Super Bowl parades. I, what's better than that? Uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's surreal. So his accomplishments stand for himself. What I think you have to remember about Ozzie Newsom is he was the most consistent man you're ever going to meet. Or I've never met him, so I, I don't know. But the most consistent man you'll ever find in this world. You, you look at Newsom as a guy who had a principled system. He stuck to it no matter what, and he never panicked. He never freaked out when the times were good. He never was like a braggadocious. He was always level-headed. Um, he, he's one of the most principled, consistent men you're ever going to find. Um, and I think he was a role model. I think he's he's exactly the type of man you should try to be in life. Hardworking, never let success get to your head, and never – and I, I think everyone around Ozzy Newsom – I've never heard a bad thing around him, so I think everyone around Ozzy Newsom loves the guy, and that speaks volumes. He, you, I've, I've never heard a bad word about Ozzy Newsom. The only time I'll ever hear something bad about Ozzy Newsom is when a drunken fan calls on 105.7 and says something stupid. And then the guy on the radio shuts him down because he's an idiot. If you don't like Ozzy Newsom, you're an idiot. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's that simple. I, you can criticize the guy, Dan Bolden trade, I'm never going to get over it. I'm never going to stop saying it was stupid. But that doesn't mean... That all of a sudden, this great body of work and this great um, leadership that he's given us is null and void. I mean, that's the problem with fans. They 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 don't understand that Ozzie Newsom is. We're so lucky to have him, and we're so lucky that he took the time to develop his successor in Eric DeCosta. And I think Eric DeCosta will be his own man, but. You have to understand that he was shaped by Ozzie Newsom and his friendship and his working relationship with Newsom, and that's going to pay dividends for the Ravens for years to come. So, you know, Ozzie Newsom, one of my favorite people on earth. I never even met the guy, but he just he means the world to me because. And when you watch that video of the, the last pick, you get teary-eyed. It's impossible not to. He's been doing this so long. And it's just, forgive every mistake he's ever made, because the good times were freaking great, weren't they? And he was the same person the whole way through. And that's, that's consistency. It's just impossible to find at this world. So bravo to him for being a great man, a great tight end, a great, great executive, but a great man. Some appreciation for Ozzy Newsom there from Joe, Chris, and I as we wrap up episode 31 of the Ebony Bird podcast a few days after the 2018 NFL draft concludes. Once again, be sure to download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store on your mobile device. Follow us on Twitter at Ebony underscore Bird. You can follow me at jmcdonald95, as well as our two site experts, 
Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL. Find everything at AbonyBird.com and of course this podcast coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. So for Joe and Chris, I'm Jake McDonald. We hope that you're as satisfied with the 2018 NFL Draft as we are. We will be talking about this more and more in the coming weeks as the Ravens now turn their attention to signing undrafted free agents and uh, moving on to those workouts and organized team activities. So we'll see you next time right here on the Emmy Bird Podcast. Thank you for tuning in.